Welcome into Four Down Territory. I am Kyle Madsen, the managing editor of NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me, as he always does on Four Down Territory, Doug Farrar, the managing editor of Touchdown Wire. Doug, how we doing, man? Good. You were uh, singing some Master of Puppets right before we went on. Yeah, I sure was. You said you were going to crank some Metallica. I was like, all right, man, we can do that. It happened. I can play that it game. Always That's cool. always possible. At any point in my life, any day, it could it could happen. Yeah, we might do that for third down. Just play some Metallica and just let it rip, and then and mm-hmm. then move on. No, let's. Let's be a good let's, intro for worst of the week. Oh, true. Let's uh, let's workshop that and produce that in, in post. All right, let's get to first down here. So we have three weeks left in the NFL's regular season for this year. Uh, which team are you all in on now? That at the halfway point you did not expect to be all in on. Uh, I'll go with the Cleveland Browns, Kyle, because Kevin Stefanski is my coach of the year, and Jim Schwartz is my assistant coach of the year. Mm, yeah, <laughs> this team is now nine and five. They're on their Insane. fourth quarterback of the season in Joe Flacco. A full twenty six percent of their twenty twenty three salary cap is now an injured reserve. That is the highest rate in the NFL, and it's not just Deshaun Watson. It's Nick Chubb, who's their best offensive player. It's hit after hit on their offensive and defensive lines. I think they have one starter, one or two starters, uh, on Sunday when Joel Batonian went out, and in the secondary, and they just don't let it affect them. Moreover, <laughs> they're pulling wins out of their butts on the regular at a at a alarming rate. Per next-gen stats, the Browns' win probability was as low as 10.7% when they trailed 17-7 to with 55 seconds remaining in the third quarter in their 20-17 to victory over the Chicago Bears on Sunday. The Browns have a league-high four wins in games where their win probability has dropped below 15% this season. Flacco actually threw three interceptions in that Bears game, but he recovered to make some insane throws, especially in the fourth. I think he had 214 yards in the fourth quarter passing, which is just Man. nuts. This is a team with all the resiliency in the world, and though there are many teams with more talent, I just don't think you want any part of this Browns, these Browns right now. And Schwartz's defense, <laughs> it doesn't matter who's in there. These guys are nasty. So, you know, are they going to win the Super Bowl? No. Do I want to deal with them in the playoffs? Absolutely not. Yeah, they're the kind of team that maybe loses in the wild card round, but they're going to make that divisional round game a lot harder for the team they play in the wild card round. Because they kind of just kicked their ass for sixty minutes. I remember that Flacco for sixty minutes on the way to that Super Bowl. Well, you probably don't want to remember it because it was against the Niners, but uh, that's fine. Like Eleven touchdowns, no interceptions in that postseason. You know, yeah, it was really good. Yeah. Of course, that was back in like the Paleolithic era, but still. Yeah, yeah, it was so long ago. Yeah. Um, it's the Buffalo Bills for me because remember at the halfway point, the Bills lost three out of four games between week seven and ten, and they looked incapable of putting together like a full game if it wasn't. Their offense, it was their defense. If it wasn't their defense, it was their special teams. Just something was always going wrong for them. And it was at the point at the halfway mark, I was like, I just don't believe in the Bills. They're out. I just I'm I'm out on Buffalo. Uh, now they might just be a buzzsaw. So they blow out the Cowboys in in week 15, 31 to 10. And they're sitting right on the edge of the playoff picture. They're not quite there yet, but they're a couple of wins away. And the reason that the week 15 would win was such a big deal for me. Um, was just how thoroughly they dominated physically. They didn't just rely on Josh Allen to go run around and do stuff. Um, They hit from the jump on defense. They set that physical tone. And then they leaned more on James Cook than they ever have. And he rewarded them with, what, 220 scrimmage yards and a couple of touchdowns. Josh Allen only put it in the air 15 times. They played really good defense. And it's like, man, this is a team that looks really capable of winning in January and maybe February. So with consecutive wins over the Chiefs and Cowboys, the Bills, to me, look like a legitimate contender again. 
Um, and given their talent, it would be it would not be insane if not only they make the postseason, but they go on a run. Health under center is so, so vital for, for any team, but especially in the AFC right now, when you look at the Bengals and you look at the Browns and you look at uh, the, I mean, the Steelers to a, to a lesser extent, but the, the, (laughs) right. The injury problems under center have just been, been massive across the league. Um, So they're healthy under at quarterback. They don't need Josh Allen to go make a ton of plays for them game in and game out, but he's definitely capable of it. And if they're going to be a more well-rounded team, like they've been the last couple of weeks, I I really would not want to face Buffalo in the playoffs. Yeah, over the last three years, it's it's always been well. If Josh Allen can be Superman, we'll get somewhere. And if he can't, then we just you know fall apart. Um, right. And I thought this was an interesting referendum on the Cowboys because they have been without Jonathan Hankins, or defensive tackle, for the last couple of weeks, and they've been scoring so many points that they haven't faced a lot of runs. But mm. they're a light front without Hankins and Mozzie Smith, the rookie. They got him in there to sort of shore things up. That isn't, you know, it's worked to a point. But if you can hang with the Cowboys score wise and you start running on them in their nickel packages and their dime packages and their, you know, play a ton of cover one, mm-hmm. you know, that, that could be a thing in the postseason. So yes, I agree on the Bills and the Cowboys showed some vulnerabilities on defense. And Dan Quinn's a genius. I mean, he'll he'll figure it out. But sure. Yeah. That was a, that was a, an interesting statement for both teams in different directions. Let's flip the script now. Which team were you in on at the halfway point that now you're punting? You're just like, I can't take them seriously. Uh, get the Jacksonville Jaguars out of my face. I, I this is no longer a serious team. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm, I'm Dude, done. For real, I'm done. And they're 23 to seven loss to the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday night. And outside of the, the, the guys in your town, uh, San Francisco, the Ravens might be the NFL's best team. But still, on Sunday night, per Optistats, the Jaguars are the only NFL team in the last 30 years to have multiple drives in on missed field goals, multiple drives in on fumbles, and multiple drives in in the red zone or on downs at the end of the half, all in the same game. Wow. That's all that's, you know, you gotta, that's hard you gotta, to do. Well, the play that perfectly encapsulated the Jags unserious nature came at the end of the first half against the Ravens. There was 11 seconds left in the first half. Jaguars had the ball at the Baltimore five yard line and Trevor Lawrence threw a pass at the left sideline short of the end zone, which receiver Parker Washington caught. Raven safety Marcus Williams made an amazing play to keep Washington inbounds, and Trevor Lawrence couldn't get back to the line of scrimmage. After the game, head coach Doug Peterson said, we're going to stay aggressive. We've scored before in those situations. It was just a mistake, I think, by Trevor, obviously knowing the situation and knowing how much time is left right there. I really, at this point, don't think that anyone on that team knows the situation and how much time is left. Uh, I'm sorry, but the playoffs are right around the corner. There's a lot to analyze. I don't have time for the Jaguars monkey shines anymore. Just, you know... You're fed up. They were eight and three before they blew three straight games, but their offensive defensive have fallen apart. And this is, it's, it's just not a serious team anymore. I, you know, come on either. One of my favorite bands is the MC five kick out the jams or get off the stage. That's all I have to say. Get the Jacksonville Jaguars out of my face is one of the funniest sentences anyone's ever said. I really, (laughs) I really enjoyed that. No, it's the right answer. So when the 49ers faced the Jags in week 10, it was billed as this like clash of two of the top teams. And oh, the Jags off the buy and the Niners are off the buy. And and watch yeah. out. The Niners go in 34 to 3. And the Jags just have never really regained control of their season. They're just yeah. not that good of a team. And you mentioned that game Sunday. Like that was 
that's a spot where if you're a good team, you you may not go beat the beat the Ravens because I'm with you. The Ravens are, are are awesome, but like be competitive. Mm-hmm. They just didn't. They they played poorly in a game that you'd expect to to get an A plus type of game, and the Jags just just didn't give it. I'm with you there. Uh, I'll put Seattle here. Yeah, because. Before the year, they were kind of the trendy pick to win the NFC West, get them for plus money. Uh, at the halfway point, week nine, they were five and three. And they looked like they could be a real threat to the Niners in the NFC West and, and a possibly dangerous NFC team. But after that five and three start, they're now six they and seven. the Niners twice and we figured out that what the real story was. Good God. <laughs> Right. They're now six and seven. They're out of the playoff picture. They're third in the NFC West now. And this is supposed to be a really good team. They have a ton of offensive weapons. They had budding, a budding star in Reek Wollin at corner and a good offensive line. Um, then they added Devon Witherspoon. They had Jackson Smith and Jigma in the draft. And they were this really sexy preseason pick, right? Uh, now they're on the outside looking at a playoff spot. They can't stay healthy. It's unclear if they have any answers outside of Pete Carroll just chewing his gum a little harder and saying compete a little louder. I'm just, I'm, I'm out on, on the Seahawks entirely. After, yeah, after the last couple of I, weeks. Know, it, it was easy because they had the great draft last year. They had a good draft this year. And Witherspoon and Smith and Jigger are both playing very well. Um, mm-hmm. They have fallen from 18th in defensive DVOA through the first half of the season to 31st since. Oh. Not good. Um, and, you know, why Jamal Adams is on the field as much as he is. I mean, I, I know Brock Purdy enjoyed it on that uh, touchdown to Debo Samuel. Boy, yeah, he did. Yikes, am I right? <laughs> he said, he said, Brady said, once I saw 33 flat-footed, I knew. Debo on the crosser, boom, game, and it was. Yeah, um, I, I think they're a year or two away. You know, they're, they're, they had five really bad drafts and some mm-hmm. questionable uh, trades, including two firsts and a $72 million contract for Adams. Ouch. Um, yeah, and this game tonight against the Eagles, which I'll be at uh, in the press box, oh, this nice. is, this is their season. This is it. I mean, they got to get something done, and they got to get done now. No doubt. Uh, let's move to third down, where we're not just going to play Metallica. Uh, who's your most underrated player in the NFL right now? Dun, 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 dun. Okay. <laughs> uh, Baltimore Ravens defensive lineman Justin Matabuike is my master of puppets. He's the third yeah. player in NFL history, at least since 1982, when sacks became an official NFL stat, to record at least half a sack in 11 straight games in a season. Think about that. Man. Three players, Chris Jones, Trey Hendrickson, and this guy, at least half a sack. And I count half sacks as full sacks because you sack the quarterback. I don't care. If yeah, yeah, you got that. Yep. Um, so 11 straight games in the sack. Chris Jones and Trey Hendrickson are the other two. Against the Jaguars, he had a sack and six total pressures. I loved his tape watching it this morning. A sack and six total pressures from five different gaps. Those are the guys I love. Give me give me four Michael Bennett's. I will rule the world. That's insane. Um, this season, only Aaron Donald, 74, and Dexter Lawrence, 59, have more total pressures among players listed as interior defensive linemen than Matabuike is 57, and no such player has more sacks than Matabuike is 13. The 2020 third-round pick out of Texas A&M will be a free agent in the new league year unless the Ravens either re-sign or tag him, which they had better do. If they don't, you can bet that he'll be a priority for several teams in the league with a top-shelf new contract. There's no, yeah. You know, we, we're starting to get you know cool with the Ravens' defense and how good they are. This guy, he's as good as anybody in, anybody in the league at what he does. The Ravens and Niners play next week. I do stuff for Niners Wire, so I just started – looking ahead to the Ravens. I am so and excited. Yeah, I'm so excited. Matt of Wike is Ooh. jumped out. 
Yep. He is a heck of a player. Um, <laughs> so maybe I just run in the wrong circles, but I don't think Antoine Winfield Jr. for the Bucks is nearly famous yep. enough. I agree. He is, dude. So he's been awesome for a, a okay Bucks team that, that may or may not win the NFC South. But Pro Football Focus has Winfield graded out as the sixth best defender in football overall. His not, coverage grade not is safety, but defender. Right, defender is it, like the lone defensive back up there with a bunch of defensive linemen. His coverage grade is also the sixth highest amongst all defensive backs. He's up to 15 pressures and three sacks while also earning PFF's best pass rush grade among defensive backs. Winfield is yet to allow a touchdown in coverage this year. He also has two interceptions and seven pass breakups and quarterbacks when targeting him in coverage have a 51.2 quarterback rating. That is really, really bad for the quarterback. I mean, Antoine Winfield can play high. He can play down in the box. He can play man coverage. He can cover your running back. He can cover your tight end. He can stick him out wide and have him go one-on-one with, with Justin Jefferson if you want. He is mm-hmm. capable of all that on top of being an elite pass rusher and a really, really good run stopper. Uh, just when you talk modern safety, I, I think Antoine Winfield is is the guy. And I'm not sure he gets talked about enough. So he does. Shout out um, to Antoine Winfield. He doesn't. I got to watch tape with him before he was drafted, and I was shocked when he went like 45th, second round. Really? Insane. Wow. Yeah. It was one of those he's too small things, which, okay, whatever. Um <laughs> just watch someday we're gonna get past that. Just watch him pick your ass for the next ten years because you didn't draft him. Okay, fine. Um yeah. yeah, he's a great player, always has been. And he's you know, he's like you said, he's one of those players that can transition to whatever kind of defense. If you need a guy to play in deep third, fine. Too high, cool. Box, yep, blitz, sure. Cover the flare, yeah, you can do everything. Yep. Really, really good. All right. Let's end this on a low note as we do every single week. Yes. Fourth down, Doug. What's your worst of the week? Um, I never openly and publicly question the effort of a player. It's just not something you do because you don't know if a guy is messed up in a scheme or if he's hurt or something else is going on in his personal life. <clears throat> but... <laughs> <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers receiver George Pickens tape against the Indianapolis Colts in a 30 to 13 loss was truly disconcerting. Pickens has been, he's blown multiple run blocking assignments this season and his reaction to Mitch Trubisky's second interception against the Colts in which Trubisky airmailed Pickens was really bizarre. And I get it. I mean, Pickens made no attempt to tackle safety Julian Blackman. Instead, he just jogged to the sideline as the play was still happening. I'm winding it back over. Like, did he really just, Oh my God, he did. Um, for a pro football po- focus, Pickens caught 68% of his contested targets last season. This year, that number has dropped to 29%. Yes, the offense is a dumpster fire with or without Matt Canada. And yes, the Steelers have not always utilized his talents the way they should be utilized. But I don't want to say that he's given up, but the frustration is palatable. It's it's happening. You know, he, he's made it clear and obvious on the field. Mike Tomlin has talked about it. So I don't think this is all on him. But you don't usually see this from Mike Tomlin team. Even when he had Antonio Brown acting like a Fruit Loop, Tomlin was able to keep the cake dish over it. And this mm-hmm. time, it's just sort of you know pumping out everywhere. It's it's not I, like I'm not saying George Pickens is not efforting, but I don't know what other conclusion to draw after some pretty extensive tape study this weekend. I'll just yeah, say. I don't like you said. You never know what's going on with the player, but it's regardless of the reason. It just really looks like George Pickens isn't right. The result is what it is. 
Correct. Yeah. Regardless of, of why. So hopefully he's all right. Hopefully it is just an effort thing because that's, that's something that's, that's, uh, I think easy to fix. All right. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, <laughs> bro, they lost to the Panthers, uh, which in itself, like that could be the end of it. Was, was that a game or a scrimmage? Because there was Dude, nobody there. It looked like, it looked like, like the Bahama bowl. Yes. Where there's like 42 people there to watch BYU and coastal Carolina. Like that, that's what it looked like. Actually, was, I'm watching I'm watching the famous toastery bowl right now with Western Kentucky and Old Dominion, and it looks like that. If I had known that that was on right now, I wouldn't have said we could record right now. I would be watching well, that. Oh, sure. my God. You were like, <laughs> so it's in the rain. It's in front of 16 dedicated Panther faithful. Yes. And Arthur Smith let his team get punked by a one-win team in the midst of a division race. Where Atlanta like needed to win, and they yeah. get a layup on their schedule, and instead of being tied with New Orleans and Tampa Bay heading into Week 16, they are now a game back. They are now climbing uphill in one of the worst divisions in football. How do you, how I don't I don't understand how a coach lets this happen. You gonna bad games are gonna happen, okay? Mm-hmm. Like games where trap games and. Oh, we can beat this team by throwing our helmets on the field. Those games happen all like I get it. But in this particular spot, you give a C minus game and they're beating it Carolina by two scores. Mm-hmm. Atlanta's now six and eight on a roster with a healthy Kyle Pitts, a healthy Drake London, and a healthy Bijan Robinson. And B. John Robinson isn't even getting like a lion's share of the work despite oh, the fact that they drafted him eighth overall. Malpractice it's it's outrageous. So like, ew, I, ew. <laughs> the, ew. The fa- I, I don't, I, I'm not, I don't love being like, Hey, that guy needs to go. But I don't know if you're, if you're the Falcons right now, if you're Arthur blank and you're looking at what's going on with this team and you're specifically looking at what happened in week 15, I don't know how you roll with Arthur Smith moving forward because that was just, it was, it was that yeah. bad for me. And a culmination of of a kind of weird season for Atlanta. So uh, Atlanta gets my worst of the week for losing to the now two and twelve Carolina Panthers. Yeah, um, I think you will see a new head coach and a new quarterback in Atlanta next year. I do too. Desmond Ritter's not it. Desmond Ritter's fine. He's just not the guy. Good backup, but yeah, know. yeah. Right. Know your role. That's it. Four downs. We're done. That's all we get. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for watching. We will be back next week with more Red Hot NFL reactions to Week 16. My God, so late. And you just got photobombed by some woman walking through the door. (laughs) Shout out to doing these live radio station. Best way to do these videos. Uh, I'm not even going to re-rack it. See you, everybody. No, that's fine. Thanks, everyone. Thanks to the the person behind you who uh, did our show. We'll make sure to uh, get them in the credits. Yep.